Well, hi everyone, my name is Debbie Manning. I'm one of the pastors here at the table. And before we get started tonight, I just wanted to pause and remember the victims and their families of the shooting in Boulder this week. Our hearts are heavy. I think there are many of us that are not only holding that sadness and grief, but a lot of frustration right now. Um, what a horrible, horrible loss of life. So with that, I'd love to open our evening in prayer. Please pray with me. Holy and gracious God, God who enters our suffering and pain. God, we trust that you see the pain in our lives, in the world. And God, we are praying that uh, the world would uh, find a way to reflect your love for one another. God, we lift up the families um, of those victims in that shooting. God, we pray as they grieve and mourn the loss of their loved ones that somewhere in the midst of it all, they might experience your presence, your love. God, as we follow Jesus into Jerusalem tonight, upset our expectations and surprise us with new hope and justice and new life. We lift this all to you and we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, good to be with you tonight on this Palm Sunday. And boy, do I love a parade. I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I was part of the marching band that represented the state of Wisconsin in the Bicentennial Parade in Washington, D.C. back in, yes, 1976. That makes me very old. Now, what I didn't tell you was, yes, I was part of that band, but I played the pom-poms. So I was part of that uh, drill team on the sides of the band, you know, waving my pom-poms and cheering everyone on. But it was, it was quite a parade. But I truly have always loved a parade. And that's where we are today with the Palm Sunday Parade. So, little context on our story. If you remember, tensions are running high in Jerusalem. Pontius Pilate, he's making an appearance with his entourage. They're entering the city on one side, and they want to remind all those Jews that are celebrating the Passover, celebrating their freedom from slavery and oppression, that they are in charge. They are large and in charge. And on the other side of town, in comes Jesus. And if you remember the beginning of that story, Jesus sends a couple of disciples into town to get him a, a donkey. Um, and they throw their colts on that donkey, and Jesus sits down. And here's where we're at. Mark 11, 8 through 11. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. It's a story that a lot of us know, right? Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey and people waving their palm branches and singing Hosanna, Hosanna. It was a victory parade. It was a victory parade because that crowd that day saw Jesus as the king, as the prophesied uh, Messiah, as the savior. But here's the thing. It's so much more than a victory parade. Politically and historically, um, for Jesus to come into the city at that time was dangerous. 
And it was dangerous because Jesus was a threat. He was a threat to the Roman Empire and the powers that be there. He was a threat to the religious leaders of that time. Um, and basically, Jesus was challenging the system as he came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. But here's what really gets me about Palm Sunday, about this day. And that's a, this day is a doorway into Holy Week, the last days of Jesus' earthly life. And it isn't an easy week because we know what's going to happen. We know. Not only did Jesus tell his followers three different times what his fate would be, we've got a view from 2,000 years later. So we know exactly what happens in that Holy Week. And I think important for our story today is that there is no separation between the triumphal entry and the cross and everything in between. Because those palms that everybody's waving, they're be going to become the ashes on our forehead in a year. You know that feeling when you know that you got to do something and it's something hard, but you know that it's the right thing to do or there's actually going to be something good? That feeling where your stomach kind of hurts and you kind of close your eyes and you brace yourself and you sort of say, okay, let's go. It's the feeling I have when I'm about to get an eye injection. Or I think about it when um, I was delivering my children, especially the second time around when you knew the pain that you were going to endure. But there was something good at the end of that. And that's kind of the same feeling that I have about Palm Sunday because I have these conflicted feelings. Like on Palm Sunday, I'm sort of all filled up with joy and hope and expectation. And on the same time, I'm, I'm sort of feeling a little bit afraid and there's some resistance in me and a little bit of dread because I know what's coming. And I'm not quite sure I want to see it or experience it. Part of that is that I think I don't fully understand it, and I can't fully explain it. There's more questions than answers for me on Palm Sunday. And here's the thing, I really want to pick up the cross. I really want to follow Jesus, but I'm truthfully not so sure about the suffering and the dying piece of it. You know, it reminds me of a story, and I'm kind of embarrassed to tell the story. It's not a story I'm proud of, but when I was probably in my early 30s, my sister-in-law was going through a really painful divorce. And we were close and um, loved one another, but we weren't best buddies at the time. But for whatever reason, uh, I ended up walking alongside her during the pain of that divorce. And, and up close, I witnessed the suffering as her marriage crumbled and her family was torn apart. and and there was so much pain and suffering. And I remember sitting on the floor of my bedroom and praying, and I remember asking God, I am so happy to walk alongside someone like this who's going through something like this, but I'm not sure I want to be the one who's suffering. Well, little did I know that um, at 30 years old that there'd be some suffering ahead, that that is part of of our lives, right? But the challenge in entering Holy Week is that it's real life stuff and it hits really close to home. And I think if we take Holy Week seriously, we have to have some mixed emotions as we enter it. Because if we really understand who Jesus is and what triumph might look like, we might have second thoughts about carrying those palms.
if we realize where the parade's going, we might pause and even reconsider a little bit. But here's the thing, it's not just Palm Sunday today, it's also called Passion Sunday. And just like we, that jumps us into Holy Week, we also call that Passion Week. And passion comes from an old Latin word that means uh, to suffer, to endure. And yep, I totally get that, and I know you guys have heard that, and we've even experienced it, that Jesus' suffering and death actually reveals God's love to all of us. But that doesn't help us understand it any better. That doesn't help uh, uh, go a little easier on the stomach either. So as I sit here on Palm Passion Sunday, I feel uh, a little anxiety, honestly, because what a week it'll be. Because this week, what we know is that it starts out with a crowd yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, God save us. And it moves to crucify him, crucify him. And it ends with Jesus hanging on the cross and with one loud cry, and then breathing his last breath. And gosh, if we looked at all that went on in that Holy Week, I'm, I'm blown away when I sort of listed it. Like, what exactly happens during this week after the triumphal entry? We know that the, the tables in the temple are turned. We know that Jesus goes back and teaches in the temples, and he's questioned by the authorities. And then he's um, anointed and in Bethany by that unnamed woman, and then there's the Last Supper, and then Judas portrays him, and then he predicts Peter's denial, and then we're in the garden, and then Jesus is arrested, and Judas hangs himself, and then Jesus is brought before all the priests and the leaders, the, the religious leaders, and at the end of the day, they say, put him to death, put him to death. And then we see that Jesus disowns, that Peter, disowns Jesus, and then Jesus is before Pilate, and then he's flogged, and he's humiliated, and mocked by the soldiers, and then he's crucified and buried. That in-between part, that's not so great. It's actually pretty horrifying when you think about what's ahead. And we could sum it up by saying that Jesus is denied, betrayed, He's arrested, tried, betrayed again, sentenced, tortured, humiliated, crucified, dies, and he's buried. That's a lot in that week. A little earlier in Mark, Mark tells us this about Jesus. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Okay then. Wow, after that week, um, there's a little thought that has to go into that. But there are these moments in our lives, these holy marking moments, these transformational moments, where I think we need to pause. We need to ask the real questions, the hard questions. What am I getting into? And I think that's the question that Palm Sunday asks us, the Passion Sunday asks of us. And with intentionality and maybe in even a little courage, we can ask those questions. Am I ready for this? Do I have what it takes to do this? Am I willing to risk? Am I willing to be in it for the long game? And the challenge of Holy Week, of the passion, is to stop avoiding the story 
in between the triumphal entry and Easter. I think the call is to show up with everything we have, everything we are, and embrace and embody the whole week. Because we need the whole story to understand not only the bigness of God and the love of God, but the call on our lives. So, I think the triumphal entry asks us to pause and take a look at everything because that's exactly what Jesus did. Mark 11, 11 says, Jesus entered Jerusalem. He went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. That's an interesting uh, ending to the triumphal entry story. The other gospels tell the story a little bit differently. Only Mark tells it just this way. But I think it's significant. It's significant that Jesus goes to the temple and he looks around at everything. And just as a side note, the verb used there is the same verb that Mark uses in chapter 3 when, they, um, when he tells a story about Jesus and some of the religious leaders and the man with the withered hand, if you remember that, and they're challenging him about why are you um, healing on the Sabbath. And Jesus um, looks around at those religious leaders. And the same verb is, is used right there, and it's, it's a look um, of frustration and anger, and it's almost a glare. And I think that's important to this story, too. It's not a casual, hey, what's going on? It is a look around. And what we know is, is that the temple was the center of Jewish life. It was the heart of Jewish life. Everything happened there. And as Jesus looked around at that temple, what he could see is the heart of the Jewish people. And probably what we could ascertain from some of the other gospel stories and even later on in Mark is that I don't know that he loved what he was seeing so much in the heart of the Jewish people and what was going on at the temple. But it is about looking around. And isn't that what Lent is all about? Take a look at everything in your own heart, in your own life. What do you see when you do that? Because we could ask those questions, where does it hurt? What's the pain? What are you carrying? Guilt? Resentment? Regrets? Fear? What are the things that have, you've left undone? Things that you've done? What has a hold on you? What has a hold on your soul and your heart? Are you overwhelmed by life? Feeling like you want to escape? Do you feel like you're in a space of darkness right now? Are you filled with self-hatred and condemnation? Is your heart filled with loss and sorrow and grief? Where do you go from here? Are you stuck? What's the condition of your heart? Where are the places and where are you called to step into but you feel stuck and paralyzed? I think that's the ask in the story of the triumphal entry is to take a look and ask the questions. And that, my friends, takes courage and takes intention, and it's leaning into the brutal honesty of it all, of where we are. And that's the only way we can move forward to redemption and to change and to hope. It's interesting in Mark, because he's not just a victim. Jesus isn't just a, a victim in Mark's uh, story. Jesus actually, his suffering, what Mark would say, uh, is revelatory. Because the suffering of Jesus 
Um, it reveals a whole bunch of things in this story. It exposes the things around him the way they really were, starting with his friends. It exposed sort of his, the ability of his own friends to commit. Um, we saw that the, that the disciples weren't able to stick with Jesus to the very end. They weren't able to be in it with their teacher till his last hour. His suffering revealed the fragility of those relationships. His, uh, it revealed the cruelty of the social and governmental power. Jesus' suffering, um, in that we saw this dangerous synergy between the powers that be and the mob mentality. We've seen some of that in our own culture this year. The trial of Jesus, it exposed the way that legal systems could be manipulated and benefit those that are in charge. It was a tragic week. And I said it earlier, it's horrifying some of the events that are happening. But I guess the story inside that is that suffering reveals, it reveals something to us, it exposes something that allows us to move forward to new life. And I think that we can't understand the hope in this story until we come to terms with its tragedy. It's then that we can take up the cross because in the midst of all this, that's the call. Pick up our cross and follow Jesus. You know, we've been doing this study on Tuesdays. Amy Jill Levine, doctor through Vanderbilt um, Seminary. She's an expert on Jewish history and the Gospels. And she had this to say on taking up your cross. It meant being willing to accept hardships and loss, humiliation and imprisonment, even death, in order to proclaim a vision for a better world, a divine kingdom, and then work for it. The triumphal entry cannot be separated from the cross, and the cross cannot be separated from the call of justice. And that call cannot be separated from risk, personal, professional, permanent. Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem, the temple, and where are we? Are we in that parade? Are we on the sides of that parade cheering? Or are we on the sidelines too afraid to jump in? Are we singing? Are we walking the walk? Are we people who must move quickly from Palm Sunday to Easter? Or do we have the courage to engage and embrace the heart of Holy Week? I think the story of Jesus and this Passion Week, it brings with, him, with that story some challenges for us. And I think it asks these questions, what do we stand for? What do we believe in? When do we stand for those beliefs? And we can also watch the disciples and ask ourselves, when have we denied or betrayed? How can we make it right? Jesus talks about taking up the cross and the, parish, or the passion narrative shows him doing just that, taking up the cross. And then we have to ask ourselves, are we able to do that? I think we can only take up the cross if we're willing to take a good look around at everything just as Jesus did. And that means looking at ourselves, our hearts, our lives, our own faith in action. And that's what we do on the triumphal entry, this Palm Sunday, this entering into the Passion Week. We'll respond to the call, because if we're honest, 
I think we could say that the cross is intimidated, intimidating and our blindness is pervasive. But I think we can do it with the Spirit of God. We can only answer with this, we believe, help us in our unbelief. So what's your response as Jesus enters Jerusalem? We have one more thing I need to say, because it's important to the story. We have the added benefit that those crowds, that those disciples didn't quite get, is that there is more to the story. Because just like we cannot um, separate the triumphal entry from the cross, we can't separate the cross from Easter. And that's the whole big picture. That's the beauty, that's the hope at the end that we have. Well, friends, it was good to be with you tonight. I'm hoping you have a meaningful and thoughtful um, Passion Week and that you might have the courage and the help from God to look around, look around at everything. Have a good night. I really appreciated that message from Debbie tonight. The idea, the image of Jesus stepping into this city and then choosing to see what is happening before he steps any further. Uh, and that invitational question that's attached to it, like what do we see? And, and what does it mean for where we are going to step? I think about the disciples um, who on the very night where Jesus is betrayed are asked to keep their eyes open and see the Christ who is there in agony and they can't do so. They refuse to see the heaviness of that moment and they close their eyes to sleep instead. Will the same be said about us? On that night, hours before they were in the garden where they fell asleep, Jesus sat down with his disciples in a room and he grabbed the bread that was there and he said, my, my time is, is all but up. Uh, the hours are growing thin. The targets on my back, they're accumulating, and they could hear a lump in his throat. And so he grabs the bread and he says, this is my body. In the future, when you come together and you partake in the bread, remember me. In the same way, he reached for the cup, the wine, and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of sins. When you guys get together again and I'm not here, remember me. And so we do that every week at the table. We take the bread and we drink from the cup and we remember Jesus who walked into the city so that we would know how to step into our stories. And so if you are by yourself, um, I want you to hear these words that Christ gave to his disciples. And if you are with somebody else, turn to them and give them what Christ gave to these disciples. This is the body of Christ and it is broken just for you. This is the blood of Christ and it is shed just for you. Will you pray with us? Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.